All right, everybody. It is Thursday, February 16th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Uh, Jill, the story I have gotten more messages than any other in the past 24 hours is this male birth control breakthrough. Finally, Moshe, give the women a break, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting, Jill, because some of the side effects are like feeling bloated, uh, feeling lethargic. Check. Uh, <laughs> Check. <laughs> and, and apparently over time, men have complained about that. And the women are like, uh, really? Do you know what this stuff does to us? So anyway, we'll break that down for you among the many stories we have for everyone today. All right, let's get to the headlines here. A new warning. The U.S. could run out of money to pay its bills as soon as July if the debt ceiling isn't raised by then. What does this mean for regular Americans? Some promising new results on a birth control pill for men. The Buffalo gunman has been sentenced to life in prison after an emotional court hearing. Miracles in Turkey. Survivors being pulled from the rubble nine days after the earthquake. Some new reporting shows that Chinese spy balloon may have actually gone into U.S. airspace by mistake. Inflation? What inflation? New data shows Americans are still spending money like it's 2021. And uh uh-oh, Mosh, why one news anchor is giving up Instagram for Lent. I look forward to that story, Jill, uh, especially given how many hours a day I devote to that platform. (laughs) And Mosh has on this day. Big day in Egypt history. Jill, King Tut, found 100 years ago today. I'll tell everyone about it. All right, let's start with a story that is not super fun, but is really important. A warning on Wednesday from the Congressional Budget Office, which is a nonpartisan, nonpolitical group, that the U.S. could run out of money to pay its bills as soon as July if lawmakers don't raise the debt ceiling or suspend the cap on how much the nation can borrow by then. So that is the news today, that the U.S. will default on its debt sometime between July and September. It's actually a little bit more time than the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, projected last month. That's when she told Congress she thought her department could use financial and accounting tricks and maneuvering to keep things running until June. So congratulations, lawmakers. You now have an additional month of leeway. (laughs) Which is the worst thing for Congress, which loves to procrastinate. Okay, so what exactly is this all about? I thought the New York Times put it pretty succinctly. To pay its bills, the United States borrows huge sums of money by selling treasury securities to investors across the globe. That funding helps pay for a host of things like military salaries, benefits for retirees, and then interest payments to bondholders who own U.S. debt. The nation hit its borrowing cap of $31.4 trillion last month. Since then, the Treasury Department has been using a series of accounting maneuvers to help ensure that the government can continue to pay its bills without breaching the debt limit. Jill, something important to note here for everybody is that lifting the borrowing cap, as in the amount of money the U.S. can take out, is about paying existing bills, as in debts we already have and money we already owe. It's not about taking on new debt. And that's something the White House points out, that the U.S. must make good on its existing debts. And just a reminder here, as we talk about terms here, because sometimes that gets confusing, the national debt is the cumulative amount of money the government has borrowed throughout our nation's history. The net amount of all government deficits and surpluses, the years where we had more money than less, some years we had less money than more and had to borrow, and that is currently just over $31 trillion. So that is the debt. When you hear the term deficit, the deficit is the annual budget imbalance between what we spend 
and what the government takes in as revenue, taxes, etc. Right now, the deficit is expected to reach $1.4 trillion this year, as in the government will spend $1.4 trillion more than we're taking in, and it'll be an additional $2 trillion every year for the coming decade. So the translation is the more deficits we have, the more debt we accrue, since we need to borrow more. So the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, as you mentioned, says the U.S. is now on track to add an additional $19 trillion in debt over the next 10 years. So now we're just over $31 trillion. That puts us on pace to have about a debt of $50 trillion by the early 2030s. But now let's do a few caveats now that we've run those numbers. This is all an estimate. So the budget office says there's no X date set in stone. It depends on how much tax revenue, for example, the government takes in. If they raise taxes on certain groups or they cut down on people avoiding their taxes, that'll bring more money into the system. So that's one way to think about this over the next decade. Regardless, the urgent issue here is the default on the debt, which the U.S. has never done. We have one of the highest credit ratings in the world. The U.S. is good on its debt. And for the most part, the debt holders are here in America. About two-thirds are domestic. One-third is foreign countries. I know a lot is made about how much debt uh, the Japanese hold or the Chinese hold. In fact, the Japanese are the country that holds the most amount of American debt, followed by the Chinese. But again, that is a small percentage of our overall debt. Back to the default here. If we default, if the uh, Congress by July or September, whenever this date is, does not increase the debt ceiling, the consequences here could be catastrophic. Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, says household payments on mortgages, auto loans, credit cards would rise. American businesses could see the credit markets deteriorate. We could see uh, an immediate recession. Uh, millions of people lose their jobs. The ramifications here are real. And we've taken this up until the limit back in the Obama years. The Republican Congress there didn't want to raise the debt ceiling. That actually led to a lowering of the uh, U.S. credit rating. So that is why this is so important and why the White House is pleading with Congress to raise the debt ceiling. All right. So a quick status update on where things stand when it comes to congressional action. As we know, Republicans now control the House. Many have insisted that President Biden agree to spending cuts before they're going to vote to raise the cap. But Biden not playing ball. He said he doesn't want to negotiate spending cuts as part of any debt limit legislation because the spending was already approved by Congress. This isn't new spending that the U.S. is trying to pay for. Right. As we said earlier, this is about the debts that we've already taken on and just owing people money. Um, that's why the debt ceiling needs to be increased. The Republicans are saying, no matter what, we want to uh, set an example here for the future. So please agree to spending cuts. And the White House is like, please, can we not talk about that right now? You did increase the debt ceiling three times under Trump. So why can't you do it for me? And so that's the argument Biden is making here. At the same time, you have Speaker McCarthy, who on Wednesday, once again, called for linking the two issues, linking spending cuts for the future with raising the borrowing cap. So it's an issue. It's a story. We'll keep monitoring here. Switching gears, we are one step closer, hallelujah, to male birth control. Researchers <laughs> said Tuesday that a birth control pill for men is showing some very promising results in the lab in mice. So here's how it works. Researchers say the pill quickly and temporarily immobilizes sperms in male mice by blocking a protein that triggers the sperm to swim in an egg. Maybe I'm dating myself, Mosh. I just keep thinking of the opening of Look Who's Talking. Do you know? What do you remember what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, I, I remember. I, I, I feel like they did a better job than most science classes in explaining the birds and the bees. Seriously. Um, anyway, researchers say a single oral dose immobilized sperm for up to two and a half hours and was 100% effective in the first two hours. 
And the numbers are incredible. None of the treated mice impregnated a mate despite 52 different attempts to do so, compared to almost a third of mice impregnating mates after being treated with a placebo. Jill, do you know what a baby mouse is called? Uh, somehow that has never come up in any of these baby books that I read to my son. No, what what is it called? It's actually really cute. A pinky. A baby mouse is called a pinky. Oh, I still don't want to see a mouse in my house <laughs> or in a restaurant, but cute. There you go. Okay, back to this drug. It works within 30 to 60 minutes of taking the pill. And it's also temporary. So the efficacy drops to 91% at three hours. And then by the next day, fertility is totally back to normal. So the idea here would be that men would potentially take this kind of like Viagra before they knew that they were going to have relations. Jill, it sounds like this is a game changer, and that's how uh, experts right now are describing it. It would become potentially the first contraception alternative to condoms and vasectomies for men, and it appears uh, even more foolproof. The pill was developed over at Wall Cornell Medical. The results published in the journal Nature Communications uh, in the past couple of days And it's especially appealing because it doesn't rely on hormones to control fertility, which can take weeks to be effective or to wear off. Researchers say the study demonstrates proof of concept, but we're still potentially years away from an actual product being available here. Okay, Mosh, I have some trivia for you. Ready? Go ahead. Okay. What percentage of pregnancies around the world do you think are unintended? Wow, there's quite a number. They've done a global survey. Um, Unintended. A quarter. Nearly half. This is according to the United Nations Population Fund, um, which tracks about 121 million births each year. Jill, that's a pretty remarkable stat. Um, One thing I want to add about this pill is now that they're done with mice, they're now going to be testing it on rabbits, allegedly. So that's kind of next up. So uh, humans... Well, you know about rabbits, right? (laughs) (laughs) Ba-bum-bum. So they've done the mice... Uh, prevented uh, pinkies from being born. Now the rabbits uh, will go at it, so to speak. And Jill, one thing that got a lot of reaction on the Instagram account is we noted that previous attempts at male birth control uh, were creating long-term side effects that men were complaining about, like acne, weight gain, and mood swings. Sound familiar? It cry me a river. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jill, before we get to the speed read, we have a few uh, partners to thank this week who are uh, offering special deals for Mo News consumers. Let's start with Athletic Greens. I've been using their AG1 supplement since the fall. The AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning, easy, quick, and lets you start your day knowing that you've gotten 75 important ingredients, tons of vitamins and minerals, pre and probiotics to support digestion, really important stuff. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D, five free travel packs of AG1 as well when you hit the road. You can head over to athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of the offer. You can also get a discounted monthly subscription or try it just one time for a month to see how it goes for you. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, for this special deal that'll really start to let you take ownership of your health. Okay, now let's talk Harry's. Harry's is a brand that I've been using for years now for a great shave. My wife found their aftershave a couple of years ago. I've been a loyal customer ever since, recently trying their shaving cream, their razor. And so I'm so excited now that they're joining us as a partner with a special deal for Mo News listeners. I just got one of their five-blade razors as well. It has a very nice weighted handle. You can try their shaving gel and their razor with their Truman Shave Trial Set 
Right now, they're offering all of you a $15 value for just $3 at harrys.com slash monews. The Truman set includes a five-blade razor, a foaming shave gel, a travel cover. You can also schedule replacement blade delivery whenever you need them with refills for as little as $2. I'm genuinely a big fan of Harry's. I think you will not be disappointed. Again, this is their special deal for Mo News listeners. The $15 Truman Shave Trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash monews. That's harrys, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash monews for the $3 trial set. Check it out today. All right, time now for the speed read from CNN. The 19-year-old white supremacist who killed 10 people in a mass shooting at a grocery store in a predominantly black area of Buffalo last May apologized to the victim's families Wednesday. It came as he was sentenced to life in prison during an emotional court hearing. Peyton Gendron told the court, I did a terrible thing that day. I shot and killed people because they were black. Looking back now, I can't believe I actually did it. I believed what I read online and acted out of hate. I know I can't take it back, but I wish I could. And I don't want anyone to be inspired by me and what I did. He killed 10 black people and injured three others at the Tops Friendly Markets last May. Gendron pleaded guilty in November to one count of domestic act of terrorism motivated by hate, 10 counts of first-degree murder, three counts of attempted murder, and a weapons possession charge. Jill, it was a very emotional and contentious sentencing hearing. In the end, regardless of his apology, the judge was hearing none of it. She sentenced him to life in prison on each of the terrorism and murder charges, saying he will never see the light of day as a free man ever again. The judge adding, there is no place for you or your ignorant, hateful, and evil ideologies in a civilized society. There can be no mercy for you, no understanding, no second chances. The damage you have caused is too great and the people you have hurt are too valuable to this community. A number of the victims' families spoke emotionally on Wednesday about how the mass shooting had changed their lives. At one point, a man in a gray sweatshirt rushed at Gendron. I posted this video on Instagram. He was quickly blocked by security, and Gendron was taken out of the courtroom. They took a 10-minute break. After the break, the uh, judge resumed the hearing and sentenced him to life in prison, reinforcing again that he will never see the light of day as a free man ever again. From the Washington Post, an update to the Chinese spy balloon story. There is thinking that perhaps it traveled into American airspace by mistake. Apparently, U.S. military and intelligence agencies had been tracking it for nearly a week, even before it crossed into American airspace. They actually watched as it lifted off from its home base on Hainan Island near China's south coast. Again, this is according to sources who spoke anonymously to the Washington Post. U.S. monitors watched as the balloon settled into a flight path that would appear to have taken it over the U.S. territory of Guam. But somewhere along that easterly route, the craft took an unexpected northern turn, according to several U.S. officials, who said that analysts are now examining the possibility that China didn't intend to penetrate the American heartland with its airborne surveillance device. I mean, could you imagine, Mosh, after all that? (laughs) Well, it's interesting here that this is coming out in the Washington Post, Jill, wondering uh, who has the incentive to say this. Um, and note that the U.S. was tracking this from the beginning. The balloon would eventually float uh, over Alaska's Aleutian Islands, then drifted over Canada, where it encountered strong winds before coming over the continental U.S. and then going over the U.S. 
And then finally, as as we're all aware by now, a U.S. fighter jet shot it down off the coast of South Carolina after it traveled um, all that length. This new account suggests that this whole crisis between the U.S. and China may have been just a big mistake uh, uh, by the Chinese. And of course, now they're doubling down on it. They keep calling it a weather balloon, uh, even though no one believes them on that front. Uh, And remember, there are reports that this balloon wasn't just aimlessly drifting. Somehow it made its way over strategic military sites uh, and uh, sites that apparently contain nuclear weapons here in the U.S. According to some of these officials, the fact that it hovered over these sensitive nuclear sites, as you mentioned, not an accident. So this is raising the possibility that even if the balloon inadvertently was blown over the United States mainland, Beijing may have just decided to seize the opportunity to try to gather intelligence. I see. So while we're here, let's learn some stuff. (laughs) We may as well take a peek. (laughs) We were going to go to Guam. (laughs) We were about 5,000 miles off course. While we're here, let's take some pictures. Listen in. Moshe, I think this underscores why having communication is so important and just how quickly some of these things can get out of control. Had yeah. we had a better relationship with China, if their balloon that they could have said was a weather balloon or whatever accidentally got into our air- airspace, couldn't they have just called us to let us know and it would be kind of like no harm, no foul? Instead, it's now a major international diplomatic incident. Yeah, the Pentagon's complaining that the the phone line that we have between the Secretary of Defense here and his equivalent in Beijing, that the Chinese are just not answering the phone. Um, I joked last week, I wonder if they're just like most millennials and young people these days, and the Chinese just want a text message instead, but they're not picking up the phone. <laughs> okay, now to some miracles in Turkey. More than nine days after a powerful quake shook Turkey and Syria, Rescuers are still pulling people from the rubble, defying predictions that the time for survival had passed. On Wednesday, Turkey's Ministry of National Defense released a video showing rescuers extricating a 77-year-old woman from the debris in one city 212 hours after the earthquake struck. Another woman asking, what day is it? After surviving under the rubble with her two children for 228 hours, Also on Wednesday, another woman, a 45-year-old, rescued after 222 hours. Earlier, teams in southern Turkey said that they were still hearing voices of trapped survivors. In the same region, workers saved a 35-year-old woman believed to have been buried for about 205 hours. And then two brothers, two men and a woman, all uh, on Tuesday, eight days after the quake, were rescued. And it comes even after some rescue crews already packed to go home because they really had thought that all hope was lost. Yeah, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, he's uh, CNN's chief medical correspondent, was asked about this. He's in Turkey right now. He says it's unusual for people to survive more than 100 hours trapped in the rubble. Most are rescued within 24 hours. Most That's usually when you see survivors. Uh, and he's thinking one of the theories of the case here is that freezing temperatures may be playing a factor and it is what he calls a double-edged sword. On one hand, the cold temps makes it very difficult below freezing temps to survive. On the other hand, it reduces demands for water within the body. And he thinks that might be playing a role in this. There's not a lot of data out there on how long people can survive these situations, especially 200 hours out. It does speak to the fact that, you know, sometimes it's mind over body and pure willpower that is just getting people through uh, with the hope of, of being saved. But amid this mounting death toll, Jill, it is great to be seeing some of these stories. 
Okay, now on to some economic news from CNBC. Retail sales jumped 3% in January, smashing expectations despite inflation increase. Sales at retailers rose far more than expected in January as consumers persevered despite those rising inflation pressures. Food services and drinking places uh, spending their search 7.2% to lead all major categories. Motor vehicle and parts dealers increased 5.9%, while furniture and home furnishing stores saw a rise of 4.4%. No categories actually saw a decline in spending. Um, in December, though, sales fell about 1.1%. So, Jill, translation here, prices keep going up and Americans don't care. We're going to keep spending. In fact, our spending is even outpacing inflation here. So folks, if you want to see prices come down, stop spending money because the Fed right now is going to translate that into we got to keep raising interest rates to get people to stop spending. And then stopping spending, uh, increasing those rates will then slow down inflation and prices will stop increasing at their current pace. Uh, either way, the markets move lower on the news because that now means they know the Fed's going to look at that and be like, time to increase interest rates again. People keep spending. And so that's where we're at. So it, it does continue to speak to this sort of bizarre economy we have right now where um, prices are sky high. People are complaining about it. People are still spending money. Um, and yet, you know, while there have been some job losses, for the most part, the job market remains strong. So we're in this continuing bizarro 2023 economy, it appears. From NBC News, Tesla will open a portion of its electric vehicle charging stations to drivers of other vehicles by the end of next year. That announcement actually coming from the White House as it outlines its plans to build a national EV charging network. So Tesla is going to make at least 7,500 chargers from its network available for all electric vehicles by the end of next year. It's going to be across the country, on the highway, at hotels and restaurants. Tesla is also going to double its network of superchargers. Those are manufactured in Buffalo, New York. So this agreement is part of Biden's goal of addressing climate change, getting the U.S. government to achieve net zero emissions in the next 25 years. They are aiming to build a network of 500,000 additional electric vehicle chargers along highways and communities and have electric vehicles make up 50% of new car sales starting in 2030. There's a number of states that have mandated this. This is all part of the infrastructure bill last year uh, that Republicans, some Republicans, joined Democrats in voting for. Jill, this is significant. I will say just personally, I rented an electric car for the first time a couple months ago in Florida and learned how difficult it is to find a charger out there that uh, charges at a normal pace. You know, I was sitting in parking lots for hours on end and most of the chargers that came up on the map were Tesla chargers, and I did not have a Tesla. So finding a non-Tesla charger that was going to charge a car in less than eight hours was very challenging. And that is a huge stumbling block to getting more electric car adoption out there, especially for people who can't have a charger at home. So this seems like good news. From Politico, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley delivered her official announcement speech for President Wednesday. The 51-year-old who is the first Republican to announce a bid against former President Trump to win the Republican nomination made a generational argument that it is time for fresher and younger leaders in Washington. Take a listen. In the America I see, the permanent politician will finally retire. <laughs> for Congress and mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over 75 years old. They are enemies that the American era has passed. They're wrong. 
America is not past our prime. It's just that our politicians are past theirs. Keep in mind, Trump turns 77 this year. Biden turns 81. It was the closest Haley came to criticizing Trump in her speech as she treads very carefully as his only official Republican adversary at this point. It's notable, Jill, both things she calls for in that uh, soundbite, uh, the term limits on Congress and a competency test over the age of 75 would require a constitutional amendment and asking Congress to pass term limits on itself uh, is pretty, pretty unlikely. So I just want to do a reality check there for everybody. It is a tricky dance for her right now, Jill, because right now she is the only Republican going up against Trump. So she's trying to be very careful. And it was hard to get a sense on Wednesday beyond the age argument that she's younger, that she's 51 and everyone else is old, how she will distinguish herself because she's stuck to the Republican standards that Biden sucks, the economy is bad and she can fix it. Being woke is hurting the country. We need to be strong internationally. Um, Sort of like the classic uh, Republican lines and uh, policies here. Um, What will she do to distinguish herself in a Republican primary against Trump, against DeSantis, against Pompeo, against Pence, some of the people we anticipate will also be running here. Right now, Haley is running, is polling in the single digits. And right now, that's a product of name recognition. As she gets out there, she hopes to increase her numbers there. But it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and how she makes the case internally to Republican primary voters that will begin voting uh, early next year uh, on why to vote for her beyond the fact that she's young and a woman, which are the distinguishing factors right now for her in that race. Some analysts say that she's really running for vice president. As we know, whoever wins the primary could potentially tap her to be their running mate, which could be another reason that she doesn't want to go in too hard against Trump or perhaps any of the other candidates. Though Trump is known to to hold uh, grudges, so unclear that uh, he would... uh, pick anyone who defied him like that. But it is interesting, Jill, that we're sort of in the reality now, if you go back to 08, that it's hard to think that there will be any duos running for president and VP that won't include a woman. That'll be two men going forward, right? Because you had McCain and Palin. 2012 was all men. But then you get to 2016 and you have Hillary on the ticket. 2020 has Kamala on the ticket. So I feel like moving forward, uh, both parties will have to represent both genders on their presidential tickets. From the New York Post, sex symbol and 70s glam icon Raquel Welch died on Wednesday due to a brief illness at the age of 82. She burst into Hollywood in her initial roles in One Million B.C. and Fantastic Voyage. Her career spanned over 50 years, starring in over 30 films and 50 television series and appearances. The Golden Globes winner in more recent years was involved in a very successful line of wigs. Raquel leaves behind her two children. Celebrities and fans across social media pay tribute to her uh, after her passing. Reese Witherspoon, who featured her in Legally Blonde back in 2001, called the actress elegant, professional, glamorous, beyond belief. Uh, And her career really spanned decades here. Uh, Back in the 70s, Playboy crowned her the most desired woman in the world, despite the fact that she didn't pose for the magazine. And in 2013, she graced Men's Health magazine as one of the hottest women of all time. I loved her in Legally Blonde, but I always think of her, even though she wasn't actually in the movie, but I always think of her from Shawshank Redemption because she was Mm. in the poster uh, that was on the wall. 
Okay, and on to our final story in Speed Read. This one might actually put Moshe out of business. But you- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It's why we're mentioning it today, Jill. We're very concerned. <laughs> but here goes. Uh, from NBC, Savannah Guthrie is putting the scrolling on hold for Lent. The Today co-anchor shared on Instagram, of course, that you're not going to see any posts from her on Instagram until after Easter because she's giving it up for Lent. She writes, quote, I'm giving up Instagram for Lent. I am not Catholic and I've never given up anything for Lent before. I am doing it to challenge myself to be more reflective, to not just reflexively scroll Instagram and instead use that time for something more productive and life-giving to myself and others. She noted that any today-related posts that fans may see on her account between now and Easter will actually be posted by her assistant. Lent is technically 40 days, but Savannah is starting immediately. She's also encouraging others to give social media a break over the course of the next 40 days plus. That's where you come in, Moshe. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Should we give up the Mo News account for Lent? I'll see everyone back here after Easter. If I'm so lucky to have an assistant at some point, Jill, maybe I'll do the same thing as Savannah. Uh, Jenna Bush Hager, a fellow Today Show uh, co-host, says she's already on board uh, and and joining her colleague Savannah in that move. Others are commenting on her thread. Uh, Many supportive here. Uh, One person wrote, I've given up Instagram three times and it's so difficult at first, but then so rewarding and wonderful. You feel free and cleansed and renewed exactly what Easter is about. Uh, Jill, uh, obviously I joke at the top, I think it's important to take social media breaks. And it's one of the reasons that we've expanded Mo News beyond Instagram, that we're doing the podcast. For those of you listening right now, the newsletter is coming back in just over a week as a daily. Yeah. And we're launching a Mo News website. So we will continue to provide you alternatives from social media in order to be able to get your news because everyone, even including us, need to take a break from those platforms. I can't even tell you how many times I start a sentence with, oh, I saw this on Instagram and I'm telling my husband or whoever else. And I'm like, this is, is this pathetic or is this just what we do now? And I will say, I actually do enjoy Instagram. I can't believe how much time I spend on it, but I I do find it to be fun. And I, I maybe I'm just following the right accounts, but I, I don't know. I feel like closer to my friends and I also learn a lot. Of, I get a lot of baby tips. So I'm not like a hater at the moment. I think the issue is it can become addictive for some and it can distract okay, you Okay, I'm 100% things. addicted. I'm 100% And that's the thing. Addicted. And it's like, people are like, I haven't read a book in a while or I haven't seen a film or I haven't caught up with a friend. And, you know, the time that you spend on social media is taking away from those other things in life. So I think like anything in life, as we all heard from our parents at one point, moderation is key, everybody. <laughs> All right, now let's head into On This Day in History, brought to us this week by our partner, Magic Spoon Cereal. Their peanut butter, cocoa, fruity flavors, frosty flavor are all a hit. They all come as part of the variety pack. And some of those flavors remind us of some of those cereals we ate growing up. The great thing, though, is these cereals are gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and sugar-free. You can head over to magicspoon.com slash monews to grab a variety pack and try it today. Again, the promo code monews at checkout. It'll get you $5 off your order. So you can go check that out. And maybe you listen to the podcast while eating a little Magic Spoon. All right, let's get started here with a big event. A hundred years ago today, the burial chamber of King Tut was officially unsealed on this day, 1923, by the British archaeologist Howard Carter. The discovery of the tomb the previous year was one of the most celebrated contributions to Egyptology 
ever. It's located in the Valley of the Kings and actually had a good opportunity last year, Jill, to travel to the Valley of the Kings. And what was unique about the King Tut tomb is no one had touched it for 3,000 years. Most of the other tombs in the Valley of the Kings, uh, tomb robbers had gotten to, stolen a bunch of the possessions. What was cool about King Tut's tomb is everything was preserved. So you obviously got his mummy, but beyond that, all the things back then the pharaohs would bury with them, literally their servants, their pets, uh, chariots they thought they would need in the afterlife. It was all about the afterlife because the afterlife was forever and life here was very uh, temporary. King Tut actually died at a very young age, under the age of 20. And so when you look at him, historically speaking, he didn't really do much when it comes to Egyptian history. But the reason why we all know about King Tut and talk about him is because his tomb was preserved this way. So he's sort of taken on way more importance in the 20th and 21st century than he ever had when he was living. All right, from King Tut to a leader that lived 3,000 years later, on this day 64 years ago, Fidel Castro defeated the forces of dictator General Batista in Cuba, allowing Castro to become the dictator of Cuba on this day in 1959. He transformed the island into the first communist state in the Western Hemisphere. Obviously, it was very concerning to the U.S. It led to the Bay of Pigs invasion and the Cuban Missile Crisis in the uh, subsequent years there, as the U.S. was concerned about communism creeping in to the Western Hemisphere, close to its shores. But uh, Fidel would go on to lead the country for decades. His brother Raul took over. There is now new leadership there. But communism in a very warped form continues there on the island of Cuba. And one more notable thing, on this day, 55 years ago, in 1968, the first 911 telephone system was inaugurated in Haleyville, Alabama. But because of problems with telephone service boundaries and switching equipment, which couldn't recognize 911, it wasn't actually until the 1980s, uh, more than a decade later, that 911 began to work nationwide. So, Moj, what did people do before? Just, I guess, call their local police department? Yeah, local police or local fire with those, like, you know, rotary phones. Uh, and so 911 was a a fast improvement to uh, let people call much quicker and, of course, you know, call in areas they might not be familiar with, the local police department or fire number. Uh, so it made it consistent nationwide. You know, similarly, in the last year, we've adopted the 988 number for a suicide hotline nationally, again, making it much easier for people to get assistance. All right, a couple of celebrity birthdays here before we go. John McEnroe, the former tennis star, is 64. The rapper Ice-T is 65. Actress Elizabeth Olsen is 34 today. She, of course, is the younger sister of twins Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, a.k.a. Michelle from Full House. And to age yourself, millennials, Mary-Kate and Ashley turned 37 later this year. How rude. There you go. Well done. <laughs> I, th I think, though, that that was the line from Stephanie. In, oh, is it? <laughs> I think that was the si middle sister line from Full House. Oh, that's right. right. Cut it out. <laughs> How's that one? Dave Coulier's line. <laughs> Alana's Morissette's ex-boyfriend. Um, and The weekend, the singer turns 33 today. Happy birthday to him. And finally, one pop culture item. 27 years ago, Happy Gilmore, starring Adam Sandler, premiered in theaters February 16th, 1996. Jill, speaking of Adam Sandler films, somebody pointed out yesterday how many of his famous films he put out in just a matter of a few years. Okay, lay it on us, Mosh. Okay, in a span of four years, Adam Sandler churned out Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Wedding Singer, Waterboy, and Big Daddy, all from 1995 to 1999. There's a reason that he walks around in sweatpants and does not care about anything. It's because he's rolling in money. 
It's really a lesson to all of us, Jill. Just like jam pack <laughs> your biggest successes into four years and then roll around in sweatpants for a while. It was compared in a tweet, uh, Jill, to what Michael Jordan accomplished in the 90s, six NBA championships for the Chicago Bulls in just a matter of six years. Uh, here you have a case of Adam Sandler, one, two, three, four, five uh, hit films in a matter of four years. You know what, though? I think some of his recent stuff, it's not the same as his older stuff, but I thought Hustle on Netflix was awesome. I don't mm. know if you saw it. And I think some of his his more recent stuff is really, really good. All right, everyone. You heard it here first from Jill. Don't sleep on uh, Adam Sandler's uh, movies in the 2020s. Again, a special thank you to Magic Spoon. They're our sponsor this week for On This Day in History. Remember to get your next bowl over at magicspoon.com slash monews. Use the code monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, to save $5 on a variety pack. All right. A big thank you to everyone for listening to the Mo News podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. We appreciate everyone's support. By the way, early mention here, you'll get a special extra episode tomorrow. We'll have the daily episode in the morning. And then make sure to check your feed Friday afternoon for an interview we have with Michelle Figueroa. She's the journalist behind Good News Movement. They have nearly 5 million followers on Instagram, and they devote themselves only to good news stories. So uh, that should be something positive to listen to this weekend. You can also watch that interview over on the Instagram feed sometime today over at the Mo News Instagram feed at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H. As long as you're not giving up Instagram for Lent. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye. Bye, everyone.